Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam? Is it possible to get a paper cut from a webcomic? If you try really hard. Coming to you almost live from Stan Lee's Beer. This is the Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts. And what a show we have for you. Our uh, season finale. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're very excited because we've got two excellent guests on the show, the creators of the forthcoming webcomic Inglorious Hipsters. We have Greg Beaver. Hello. And we have Jeremy Dye. Hello. Thank you for joining us, gentlemen. We also have a lot of uh, content around the Calgary Comic Expo. Which you had the pleasure of attending. I, it was pleasurable. I don't know if I'd go back, though, Scott. You said that you uh, you didn't have a problem with the guests no. and the, the talks and the merchandise and the building, but you had a problem with what was in that building. It was, it was you know, some of the overzealous nerds. And, and you know, more power to them. This is their event. I I thought... That I was on their level, but clearly there are several circles of hell below me in the nerd sphere. Um, and I knew this when people would ask William Shatner, for example, um, if he remembered specific episodes of the show or if he remembered how he felt filming specific episodes of the show. And he was just like, I'm fucking 80. <laughs> I don't remember anything. <laughs> I barely remember what happened last week. So, so you know, it was good. It was good. But I wouldn't go back. Okay. Well, we will have some uh, segments built around your adventures in nerdery. It's true. At the Calgary Comic Expo. Yeah, and it's it'll be terrifying. But perhaps we should uh, open with uh, talking to our guests. Let's do that. I agree. We want to talk. Exactly how long have you guys known each other? Uh, <laughs> Since grade one, I've known Greg. Yeah. So that would be, uh, we were eight. 24 years. That's a long time. Yeah. And and now you live together. No. 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 We did at one point. We Ooh. did. Yeah, we've went actually <laughs> yeah. uh, tw- three times? Yeah, sure. <laughs> three times, yeah. Three I imagine a Perfect Strangers-esque sort of pairing. <laughs> yeah. as, uh, and so so how did you decide, because you, you, you're, you're working together on this comic that's going to launch in July, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So how did you decide, um, well, how did you decide to do a webcomic? We did we, one long, t- we did one, uh, was it? Six years ago? Yeah. Was it famous? Do we know it? No. no. What was it's it called? Not Tell me about the six years ago webcomic. Well, um, I was, I just got out of college um, and I had taken uh, graphic design and, uh, and stuff like that. So, um, and I wasn't, I wasn't getting any graphic design jobs. Uh, no one is all. my friend. Yes. Even today. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. It's, it's a tough, like, especially in Edmonton, I think the creative field's a very tough field to crack. Yeah. It's quite small. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it's just like a blue collar thing or whatever. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. But I think that from my perspective, um, uh, like I was just looking for something to do that was sort of like to keep me uh, into like, so I was, you know, constantly using Photoshop and doing some graphic design type stuff or whatever. And I think it was at the time when like um, Penny Arcade was, uh, was, you know, really picking up steam. It was well before it was sort of the institution that it is now. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, I was, I was reading a lot of Penny Arcade and stuff like that, so I kind of 
thought that we should do a webcomic or whatever, so I just proposed the idea to Jeremy, and, and uh, we kind of ran with it. And we, we had a, a comic that ran for three years, wasn't it? 2001 to 2004. Wow. Like when the internet was just getting interesting. Yeah. And, yeah. and what, was the, what was the readership like? What was the comic about? Tell us, tell us all about it, because I'm really <laughs> curious how you went from there, uh, ending sort of six, seven years ago, to today. Um, what was the comic about? That is a tough question. A <laughs> little bit of everything. It's like dudes on a couch. Yeah, much. pretty much. So it was about I, your lives. I yeah. think it really was. I think it was more, it was more about us than anything. The crazy adventures we wanted to <laughs> take. Yeah, the things that we wanted to do <laughs> and say that we couldn't or wouldn't for whatever reason. <laughs> so you rolled it all into it, a webcomic. Yeah, and we, I think... Um, I wanted, kind of, yeah, I just wanted to call myself an artist. You know, it's like, yeah, I... I, I work at this shitty job, but I'm an artist who doesn't, you know, I can't make money at that, but yeah. this is my dream. This is my passion. So, hmm. And, uh, and that evolved into nothing. It ended. Kind of. I, we had a pretty good time doing it though. Um, I think, uh, we were, we were living together, um, in Lindrum at the time and, uh, we had sort of like, I think when it started to end was, was, uh, when we tried to do a little bit too much, um, mm. we had always kind of posted about a comic a week or, or at least tried to, but there would be several stints where we would sort of <laughs> like, it's just the comic, which just wouldn't happen. Uh, it's kind of like blogging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is we have a lot like of experience that. with failing at that. Yes. Too much experience. <laughs> fact, really. It's all changed now. So then we tried to do three comics a week. Uh, Whoa. And we did, we did actually do it. What we did was, cause we had always, um, you know, uh, drawn it out like the process is, is that Jeremy uh, draws it and then inks it mm-hmm. and then I, I scan it and then I color it uh, and then we put it out and that ends up being like quite a bit of work like probably one comic would probably take me at least you know six to ten hours holy so uh, we decided what we would do is we would uh, make uh, th- three comics a week one was color and then the other two were just black and white yeah pretty much just me with an ink pen yeah and Jeremy would do like he would do all the um, all the framing and himself and stuff like that. So it was basically just me like scanning and throwing it up on the web or whatever. And I think like at at, at some point somewhere it just became like a little bit too much for us to to handle. And then I think maybe it just wasn't fun anymore. You know, which one of you ruined the fun? <laughs> it, can you can you pinpoint that moment? That one did. That was, yeah, it, was, it was all Jeremy. <laughs> it's probably me. Yeah. <laughs> That's too bad. That's really sad. But now, now, here we are, 2011. And you've decided to take another kick at the can. Give yeah. it another try. Well, this comic's been in the works for pretty much almost ever since uh, Dead Beef ended. It was called Dead Beef? It yeah. was called Dead Beef. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm hungry. It was very, yeah. <laughs> it was a very, a very clever amalgamation of our, of our names. Sort of. Uh, yes. Because Jeremy's last name is Die. So that's where, where we get dead. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. I'm and following then, you. And then my my nickname growing up when we were kids was was Beef. So then we just called it Beef. And it's your nickname now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it could be. It, no, I'm saying it will be. I love it. <laughs> and then people can. I'm sorry. I have to say it. No, when Greg's not around, they're gonna ask, "Where's the beef?" <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I had to. I had to. So tell me about this new webcomic. Tell us what it's called, what it's about, and when it hits the internet. 
the internet newsstands. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. it's <laughs> it's called Inglorious Hipsters. I love that name. And uh, it's gonna it's gonna hit the internet uh, July fourth. Oh, uh, on American Thanksgiving. Yes, yes that's right. That's great. <laughs> that's wonderful. So, t- wh- and is it about we the two of you? We figured that there wasn't anything else important going on on July 4th. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. tar- <laughs> your target audience yeah, whatever is whatever it Americans. was, we could yes. steal the thunder from it anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Unless Slave Lake happens again, then you're fucked. Yeah. Uh, and so are the people of Slave Lake. If, if, a little yeah, bit, anyway. but. Um, so, is it you guys on a couch? Again? No, this one, like, primarily. Jeremy has been sort of the, it's kind of like been his vision. He's always been more or less the writer of the comics. Yeah. Loose <laughs> writer, <laughs> yeah. if you want to call it that. No, man, you're legit now. Yeah. You're, yes. you're going to be on the I'm web. on the internet. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> true. I mean, the big times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he, uh, like, we, we had sort of, like, um, it's kind of gone through, like, several um, uh, chain sort of amalgamations or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. you know um, at, at first it, I think the only running theme is that they that, that they were it was a group of people about a group of people who were working in a record store uh, yeah an independent record store so this is said in the past since record stores don't actually exist anymore hey you walk down White Ave yeah. there's two of them if you, want, if you want vinyl <laughs> ah, and, that's, and that's where the hipster comes that's in. right yeah. no I like that I actually had uh, quite the, the I duked it out with some people on Twitter over <laughs> over vinyl. I guess you don't say that vinyls uh, is not legitimate <laughs> on Twitter because people get mad. So you said you said vinyl. I said I think I actually called it useless. <laughs> is what I did. <laughs> so you're even at odds with each other. So what did people say? What was the reaction to that? Um, I got a lot of um, uh, people uh, telling me about the green virtues of vinyl. Of plastic discs. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Don't follow. Can you <laughs> can you elaborate? I, I, well, I, I know think, what their arguments were. I think well because like they're I think the I think they're saying like in, environmentally CDs and DVDs are worse for the environment than than um, than vinyl like records. Okay. I think partly because of the packaging because it's usually just paper packaging, correct? Right? Sure. Yeah. And partly because I think CDs maybe they're less degradable. I don't know. Maybe. And do records last longer? I don't know if some... They I technically do, yeah. Really? Yeah. That's what I, I think a lot of them say. I don't know. Yeah, they say, they, they're, they're arguing the long, longevity of vinyl, which to me doesn't make much sense because, um, you know, uh, someone was telling me, like, oh, if you buy a vinyl uh, record, then you get the digital copy anyway. So which do you think that you're going to use more, the vinyl record or the digital copy that you download? Right, I, I guess. So wh- why are we buying vinyl at all? I, yes, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, think they, I, I think I sort of get it. I think I do, yeah. I think they say the quality, the sound quality is supposed to be better. Yeah, I've heard, like, because it's analog, yeah. like, it's, like, the, the fidelities should be better hmm. than, than digital sound. Well, I, I've heard this before, too, and I, I don't really get the argument. I, I don't think I can wrap my head around the analog digital thing. Well, if you, think, if you think about it, the way that the way that um, uh, sampling works when you're when something is being when you know audio is being digitized is that there's a sampling rate. So uh, you can kind of think of it as like every time you know every time it samples, it's just like you know think of it as like along a graph, you've got a series like a bar graph, right? Right. So uh, whereas a uh, analog sound is a wave, right? So a perfect wave already. So you, in theory, that. Digital is less perfect because um, it can't make that 
smooth curve. You're tell you're what you're saying is digital is pixelated. Yes, essentially. You're blowing my mind, Greg Beaver. <laughs> you really are. Now, the other problem, of course, with vinyl is that you need a phonograph, and um, there's like one place in the world that still makes and sells them. So, actually, I've heard that. Um, is uh, that changing? That was Future Shop is selling them, I believe. Yeah. And you can actually get uh, phonographs that will uh, plug into your computer so that you can make MP3s of your. So you. Discs. So we're and now we're back to digitizing everything. Yeah, but I mean, are you going to listen? What are you going to listen to in your car? Your final <laughs> That's disc right. or your MP3 player. That's Stop why I want to over music pumps. is in my car. <laughs> so it doesn't make much sense. <laughs> That's funny. That actually would be hilarious. I think the funny thing is that the people who were arguing for uh, vinyl was that the first thing that they trotted out was how green it is. And that would be great if uh, vinyl were the dominant medium, which it isn't. Right. right. And, uh, you know, it seems to me, obviously everything's going digital, so the distribution will be digital, which has... A zero, zero impact on it. But what unless, about server farms, Greg? Yes. And energy. They 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 seem to count um, iPods and stuff like that against um, uh, digital uh, media because you throw them out. People throw out iPods. <laughs> can can someone tell me where this pile of trash is so that I may loot it merrily? Speaking of dying technology. <laughs> Uh, Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware, the uh, the last typewriter manufacturer went out of business. Yeah, I heard they that. They no longer They were still making typewriters? Yeah. yeah. But wow. they are done now. No more typewriters. Which means the value of every existing typewriter just increased, I don't know, a thousand. You have a typewriter? It's right behind you. I'm stealing it. <laughs> no, that's my typewriter. <laughs> I've, I really want one. I want, I, I don't know if I want a portable one. I want one of those ridiculous old-timey ones that looks like... Uh, that you could kill a man Probably weighs 50 yeah. pounds. Yeah, and belongs in like a blacksmith's office from like, you know... <laughs> a he's using it as an anvil. <laughs> it's just that solid. One of those ones that where it's just like, it's impossible to, to type in a conventional way. Oh, like, yeah. Because really, like, the keys are so, they've got, they're so raised that you could <laughs> really literally only finger peck at It's them. like a, more like a staircase than a keyboard, really. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for in a typewriter. <laughs> the QWERTY uh, keyboard was designed uh, to prevent typewriter jamming. That's right. It's actually not uh, the most efficient way to type. Um, but the reason that they did that is so that all of the keys that you're most likely to press are spaced far enough apart that when you're typing quickly, you're not going to jam up the typewriter. Huh, I did not um, know that. But it's actually inefficient enough that they have suggested maybe changing it, except that it's just got the momentum of everybody being used to it, which is why they still use it for key, uh, for computer keyboards. So what would have been the original configuration of a keyboard? Like A, well, a through been, Z? It would have been, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but it would have been designed in such a fashion that uh, letters that you would be pushing often, like the letter E, would not be way off in a corner. And you wouldn't have half of the uh, half the keyboard more useful than the other keyboard. Um, I think like because I, I home row, I think would probably be something like you know it would be like S and T and A and E and yeah, stuff, stuff like that. that like stuff that comes you mean up all, quite all the Wheel of Fortune letters that they give you in that final puzzle R S T L N E, and then you can pick two vowels and put them wherever the fuck you want on the keyboard, <laughs> and away you go. Now, what about the ribbons? What who who's making the ribbons for these things? If are are there still places to get typewriter ribbons so that you may type on your typewriter? That's a very good question. 
Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think you need to find this out sooner rather than later, my friend. Yeah, although then you won't be able to. Use fairly confident that uh, you could probably find somewhere on the internet. Probably, ironically, <laughs> perhaps <laughs> some uh, crazy dude sitting on a stockpile of these motherfucking. <laughs> or or someone who just makes them. I mean, typewriter ribbon is just ribbon with ink on it, right? I guess so. <laughs> I soaked this old shirt. All you need to do is put it between the paper and the mallets, and Done. away you go. Yeah. <laughs> Scott can only type black pages. <laughs> T-shirt's probably not a great thing to use for a typewriter ribbon. Nope. I'm just saying. But, sorry, wasn't my idea. So, um, Inglorious Hipsters is about a team. Yes, that's right, we're back to this now. It's about a record store team. Yeah. And is it set, is it set in the glorious city of Edmonton, or is it an unmentioned city? I, I have to tell you, before you answer, I'm very excited about this. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> that makes one person <laughs> very excited about that. <laughs> I'm not sold yet. So <laughs> this is, now's really that's why we're here to talk to that's you. That's right. Adam called me up and said, Scott is not sure about this comic. <laughs> Scott demands come an over and, with uh, Greg and Jeremy. sell him on it for an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so we're going to do our little uh, car salesman pitch. See, the idea is. <laughs> yeah, see. see, what it is is that <laughs> there's these people and they're in this record store, right? And they do things that are funny and whatever. <laughs> That's yeah, as good a pitch as I got. <laughs> I'm not a salesman. Blow your mind. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. man walks into a talent agent's office. <laughs> so are we talking about something that's going to be in, uh, like, three-panel strips? Or is it going to be... Because I, I understand you've completed some. We have four in the can. You yeah. have a bank. Yes. Yeah. I think that was part of the learning process from doing Dead Beef. It was that um, we wanted to get ahead of ourselves so that we could, you know, produce a whole bunch of comics. And um, we were actually just talking on the way over about we might do these comics in sort of like seasons. So we might, you know, do um, a comic a week for three months and then take a break and then stockpile more comics and then come out. You know, we I mean, we're busy. You know, uh, Jeremy's got uh, two little girls that uh, he's got to take care of and stuff. And I've got... I was, you know, I'm assuming they're yours. They're, yeah. They were yeah. children here. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy's a pimp, you see. <laughs> yes. And he's got to lay the smack down every now and then. Yeah. You've got to build up that. <laughs> two two girls to sell is not enough. You know? <laughs> he's building a business for God's sake. <laughs> Jeremy died. You don't start yeah. with 10. You start with two. Yeah. I like the way you think. Yeah. I like that. Start small. So you got a few uh, strips. And are any of the characters modeled after people that you know? I find that this is typical of... Uh, uh, well, I think Dead Beef was... I don't know what's going to happen because Dead Beef was pretty much all that. Like, uh, just about everyone we knew sort of became a character. And literally, like, they would actually be called their, their same name. Ooh. Which was... Not trying to protect the innocent, are you? No. Uh, yeah, we just, uh, Jeremy would always write, um, you know, just, you know, uh, you know, when, when, um, you know, someone would do something weird or whatever, he would just like, oh, I'm just going to make a character out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to steal that shit. <laughs> now, steal real life. Now you used to draw a comic for the gateway. I did. It was called logic puzzle. Logic puzzle. Yes. And were your characters modeled after real life people well i don't know uh, an anthropomorphic chicken or a robot so i believe you're lying say, scott i'm going to say no i know you don't want the authorities to know about your weird uh, experiments. i suppose i suppose the uh actually okay some of, at least one of the secondary characters was deliberately modeled after you because you were the eic of the paper at the time yeah but it was basically the eic of a paper wasn't it yes okay and uh also i believe was consumed by a uh, lovecraftian monstrosity at some point um, my life. I also had a professor of psychology who was blatantly <laughs> modeled after Malcolm Azania, who was called Professor Faust. Wow. 
Um, but that was really it. Your Edmonton heroes. Basically, yeah. So what I guess I was getting at, is there an Adam character? There could be. Yeah. There was an Adam <laughs> character in my, com- in my comics. So. All good comics have an Adam character. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm suggesting. So I'm just kidding, Greg. You don't have to put me in your fucking comic. <laughs> so Captain Adam. Well, it depends. A, uh, it depends on uh, what comic. kind of uh, antics you get up to. If they're comic worthy, then perhaps they will. Most everything I do is comic worthy. That's what my psychiatrist told me. <laughs> he said, "Adam, it's not a very good psychiatrist. You need to, yeah, you need to stop pretending you're in a comic book. <laughs> Jumping off of things that are really high up, really hard on your knees. That's why I had to go to physio last week. I think the thing about the, this current comic is that." You know, because we've just started out uh, writing it, um, you know, we don't know the characters any more than the audience that we're putting it out to, really. I mean, it's just it's something that we're just getting started. And we found that with Dead Beef, that is, as we kind of got along, like, the characters sort of really sort of developed and sort of wrote themselves Yeah, that's, bit. yeah, they start to write themselves, talk, they talk to me. <laughs> way. I think that someone else to needs say. to see your psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can give you a referral. <laughs> good. No, I understand what you mean, though. I mean, you... Who knows where this is going to mm. go? Yeah, I find at the beginning you're kind of forcing it a little bit because you're kind of like, you don't know what they are and you're, you're kind of putting them in a box and uh, trying to figure out where you're going to go from there. And that's that's really the starting point. Was there, was did you guys spend any time and sit down and say, okay, well, there's going to be four characters, say, and, you know, one of them is going to be called so-and-so and this is, like, did you actually kind of profile them or did you just start drawing? I did. I think I had a kind of an idea of what I wanted yeah, it was pretty much like four, basically four characters, yeah. Simple, keep it simple at the beginning and just go from there. Now, who are the four characters in the comic? Can you uh, tell us? Do you want to reveal certain oh, aspects? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. We got our, the store manager or owner, Spencer, and then he's got his basically three employees, and then there's a crazy hobo who lives outside the store. <laughs> You guys are really does the hobo dispense wisdom? He does. <laughs> only, <laughs> only when you rub him vigorously. He likes meth, so I mean... <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. Once you start, you don't stop, right? And, and was the, uh, you know, is the record store a, a confluence of all the record stores you guys have experienced over the yeah, years? Yeah, kind of like your uh, uh, Listen and your Blackbird, you know, your kind of hipster, cool, you know, <laughs> like you... It's too cool. You feel like you're too not cool enough to be there, (laughs) surrounded by all the people. Like they're looking down on you. There's no way you guys feel that way. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm serious. There's no way. Uh, I don't know. I I think that I definitely have in in the in some record stores. Yeah. I mean, like I don't know. You want to make sure you pick the right CD too, so yeah. they don't, they don't yeah. look down on you. That's not cool enough. No, Should, this one. You're like, this if, one I, here? if I'm if I'm going to buy Rihanna, yeah. I'm going to go buy her at HMV. Yeah, <laughs> you don't. Yeah, you don't go to listen and ask for Nickelback because yeah. they probably will spit yeah. on you. What do you mean if I'm going to buy Rihanna? <laughs> we all know you bought it. Oh yeah. Um, I want the vinyl version of. I Nickelback. do have a lot of demons in my in my uh, music collection, but that is not one of them. Oh. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> Just I'd say Rihanna's not the not the worst thing you could buy. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you. I don't actually know Rihanna very uh, well. Because uh, Pitchfork gives them a pretty good review. Oh, does he? And ah, spoken like a true. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so is your comic uh, following a sort of narrative? Is it very episodic? I think we've talked about uh, a couple times. I think I think I've always been... I've always tried to push sort of like, let's do sort of like, let's do sort of a narrative or whatever. But um, I think eventually I got, I just sort of decided that I was just going to, just going to let Jeremy sort of 
take it where he wants it to go in terms of writing. Like, and that's how we kind of handle it when, in the original yeah. comic as well. Uh, I think once Jeremy gets an idea of like who the characters are and uh, yeah, then we can start story arcs. Like yeah. we did that with Dead Beef. Eventually, they went to jail. And then we did a whole uh, Kill Bill thing. And it was funny but when we sent the characters to jail. Why did they? Why did they go to jail again? Ah, uh, uh, they got caught with you know prostitution. <laughs> oh, that's right. They were in a, they're in, they're eat, eat, eating dinner or something like that, and then it ended up being a raid, and they <laughs> <laughs> they got sent to jail. Awesome. Uh, um, and we. Uh, uh, Sorry, where was I going with this? I, I don't know. We <laughs> lost my train of thought. <laughs> I guess that's why I'm the writer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we were talking about large story arcs and, and oh, huge shifts. Right. Built them going to jail. Yeah, uh, and we actually we actually had fans um, when they went to jail. We actually they were to, in jail for quite some time, and fans would write to us and ask us when they're getting out of jail. They wanted they wanted the characters to get out of jail. What? Yeah. Okay, so how big was Dead Beef? Oh, not very big. Not very big. But you had people writing you. I mean, yeah. that, that's yeah. pretty significant. I'm amazed Nobody our fans could, could read. Because <laughs> the way they wrote to us was like, he was like a five-year-old. <laughs> went, out, went out jail, yeah. Dead Beef. Please <laughs> take out and go from jail. Please. Their comic was the inspiration for Axe Cop. Ah. There you go. <laughs> we had one uh, one of our big fans. He was like this bit, like kind of a... What do they call him bears? Like a gay? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Really big huge. gay guy. He was kind of, he fancied yeah, you Yeah, he was too. very uh, sweet on me. <laughs> yeah, he did. So, <laughs> so, uh, wait a minute. How did you How did you meet your fans? Did you guys We had like... a forum in our, on our page, so oh, they would okay. just write and yeah, uh, they, he was we... our biggest fan. No, we had some guys from Ireland that loved us too. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> a guy who was in a band called MK2, the lead singer, um, his name's Christian, uh, he was he was a huge fan. He was always our biggest supporter too, and he actually had us um, draw um, or or do some covers for his like we did the cover art for his CD and this, stuff like that. Is this the Irish dude? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow, that's that's really cool. Yeah, and he like to this day like he still asks us like when are you guys coming out with dead beef shirts? Like he's like he's like I want a dead beef T-shirt and and stuff like that and uh and when we when we announced on facebook that we were coming back with a new comic he was the first bun- first one to be like yes <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't wait he was just like <laughs> he's just sitting on his computer every yeah. night <laughs> anything <Refresh>. anything <laughs> <Refresh>. <laughs> yeah. come on come on you realize now that you're gonna have to put t-shirts out pretty soon yeah. Yeah. We've got buttons coming already. So oh, that's, yeah, that's step right. one. You ordered them from Aerie just like yeah. we, we got ours from yeah. her. So they're going to be the one inch. Yeah. 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 The little. I cool think she said that's the only want. ones that she does. So. You don't I think want she, like yeah. those ones that are. <laughs> the <laughs> yeah, four yeah. inch chest. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a take a bullet with that. <laughs> now, in addition to uh, the new comic, are you going to provide the original Dead Beef comic as like an old archive? I think we talked about. Um, Sort of maybe that's what I wanted, but you said it was too big or something. I don't know. <laughs> all mean? the technical stuff. Greg does all the technical stuff. I'm like, do this, Greg. He's like, I can't. Well, I think I, I'm I've not got smart a, enough. I have a set. Like I've decided to try and like um, do this properly so that we have a sort of a set aspect ratio that we're working with on, on each comic. So we have kind of like a maximum size that will go because if we ever decide that we want to print a book of it or something like that, if we ever get to that point, ambition. I like that. Yeah. Mm. Then I would want to make sure that you know we've got you know, you can you can print it nicely that you have, you know, I don't want to have, you know, a whole bunch of different sizes and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, because I wanted to have Dead Beef Fridays. Like yeah, have I think we can still do that. We just we just might do it as kind of like, it, it might not appear on the on the main page. Just have whatever. to link it? or yeah. yeah, I'll just link it. But we do actually, like, the comic is available currently on my, my website. I forget the link, but you can actually download it. 
I can I can send you the link. What's for it. what's we'll, your what's we'll your have that on the post for yeah. This we'll, we'll throw that up there so that people can uh, can click on it for sure. And now sex talk brought to you by the Traveling Tickle Truck. Hey, I'm Lauren from the Traveling Tickle Trunk. Do you remember Movember? It was a successful fundraising effort for men to grow out their mustaches to raise money for prostate cancer. Well, now the ladies have their equivalent. A group of women in Toronto have started Jelina. In an effort to raise money and awareness for cervical cancer, they are trimming and designing their pubic hair and leaving it quaffed for the entire month of July. This fundraiser raises some interesting questions such as how are they going to prove their participation? It's unlikely that the women on this fundraising team are into show and tell, so why give money for something that won't be seen? Their answer is that people who give money to charity runs and walks all the time don't watch them running, so this is really no different. The other question raised is the obvious gender bias. Why do men get to just grow out their mustaches and get all scruffy, and women need to trim and quaff and design their pubic hair? We have a strong aversion to female pubic hair in our society, so I'm sure they wouldn't get the response they're looking for if the goal was to just grow it out. That might create more disgust than cooperation, I'm guessing. But it's bathing suit season, so many women are probably engaged in some bikini waxing anyway, and they do offer the Au Naturel design as an option on the Jelina website. You can find the link to Jelina on our website at travelingtickletrunk.com slash sextalk. There's been a lot of criticism that Jelina is just silliness and it has nothing to do with cervical cancer. But if every woman who participates explains to each of her prospective donors what causes cervical cancer, how to prevent the spread of HPV, and how important regular pap smears are in early detection and treatment, it might just save a life or two. Not so silly after all. If you'd like to show some solidarity with the women of Jelina, consider donating to their fundraising efforts or jazz up your own pubic area. We have some new crystal vajazzling kits that will make you feel shiny and sparkly. Proceeds from the sale of these vajazzlers throughout July will go to help You and Me Productions bring Chris Craddock's play Porn Star to the Edmonton Fringe. See the vajazzler selection and find out more about the play at travelingtickletrunk.com slash sextalk. TheEdmontonian.com applied directly to your internet. TheEdmontonian.com applied directly to your internet. TheEdmontonian.com applied directly to your internet. TheEdmontonian.com available on the internet. Ah, yes, the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo, the last bastion of the prairie nerd. I had the honor, I suppose you could call it, of attending Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo recently last, well, sorry, it was earlier this month, with the intention to interview one of my favorite 
actors from science fiction, Jonathan Frakes. Now, I had every intention of chatting with Mr. Frakes. I was going to talk to Michael Hogan from Battlestar Galactica. I was going to talk to uh, to Matt Frewer from uh, the Max Hedrew movies, but it didn't come to pass. I wound up being more of a spectator at the expo just because of the craziness of everyone's schedules. It wasn't anyone's fault in particular. And so what I do have for you are a few wonderful segments. So this is the first segment. This is part one of the Unknown Studio at the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo. And what you'll hear first is an interview with uh, Michael Hogan from Battlestar Galactica. He was interviewed by Ed the Sock uh, for Much Music. Um, it was a very brief interview, so he only had a chance to riff with the, with fans for a little while. And then after that, I'm going to share with you a few tidbits uh, from Jonathan Frakes, Commander Riker's talk at the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo. All right, ladies and gentlemen. This, this is a very, very accomplished actor, and he's, he's one of my favorites from Galactica. And uh, he's best known as Colonel Saul Ty. Please welcome to the stage Michael Hogan. Yeah. Hello there. <laughs> Are you talking to me? Yeah, well, who else? <laughs> they told me that it was, that you were gonna... Well, I am, but, but he's here. Uh, how long is he here for? <laughs> the whole time. The entire time. Just pretend you're actually Colonel Ty and you're drunk and I'm a figment oh. of your imagination. <laughs> God damn it. How many times has uh, this fracking thing happened? <laughs> oh, God damn it. How did you do that? Poster lover. <laughs> Ooh. Where's my wife? <laughs> okay, get on with it. How did you develop that character? Did it just sort of happen? Or did how much thought versus how much sort of organic development happen? Well, it's, you know, it's interesting. It seems, I don't know what comes first. I don't know if, uh, if you've noticed that most of the characters I play are, 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 are drinkers. And, and they enjoy <laughs> drinking. Uh, and uh, and I, I, I think my passion for this business is research. Uh, uh, so I don't know what, uh, what what came first, to be absolutely honest with you. So can you write off a bender as, like, work-related stuff on your taxes? Is this televised, or is anybody but these people going to see this? Uh, because that's pretty... Well, up there. That's, yeah. uh, that it's not? Well, of course, man. Jack Daniels, it's Do you want to uh, come for a, a jar after? Because it's on me, because I can write it off, you see. I mean, a good proportion. Actually, I don't know how many people are here, because I've got per diem left, so. <laughs> people have been buying me drinks, and with per diem, then I can just write it off. It means double whammy. Or, is, is, uh, it, is it still cool to work on something like Galactic? Because you were acting for, for a long time, you had a really great... I know, it career. seems like I've been this brand new discovery. It's like, whoa, God, this, this yeah, new, uh, new kid in the like line. This long. I am an old man. I have been acting for 40-some years, and so I guess 35 years before Battlestar Galactica came along. And I almost didn't audition for it, because really? Battlestar Galactica, another military man, and then I found out that Edward James Almost was playing Adama, and look at that man's pedigree, and Michael Reimer was directing it, and I thought, hmm, something's up here. Have you seen Battlestar Galactica yet? Of course I've seen it! I uh, love the dagger! You what? The little, the little orange robot dog! He was very cute! <laughs> oh, man, uh, be serious. 
Yeah, of course we'd seen it. We did that red dress. Oh, I know. That wasn't that amazing. I'd like to buy that on eBay and make soup. <laughs> oh. What is the age? What is the demographic for this guy's interview show? By the way, I was getting myself in there. What was it like what? kissing Kate Vernon? Because I'd like to do that. Uh, that is my wife. I mean, you can uh, mention something about the kissing number six. But do not. She was far more than a six. <laughs> what? Are you allowed to have people heckling like this? This I is Calgary. There's no allow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is, I shot a film in Texas last summer, and I asked a question, and the driver said, this is Texas. Nothing's illegal in Texas. <laughs> and he meant it, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty much the same here. Same as Calgary. It, I, I've worked in Calgary quite a bit, and uh, that's why I keep coming back, because nothing's illegal in Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> right. with, it, with per diem. Except apparently Puddle Gimby, yeah. I have it's a question about Battlestar Galactica. What is it? You know who the most important guy would have been in that fleet? A plumber. <laughs> Because think about it, you're stuck in those ships. If, you're, if your plumbing goes down, just imagine the stench. Never mind Viper pilots, that only is important when the Cylons are around. 24 hours a day, someone's got to clean out the crap. Well, call out the gross patrol, man. What's with this? I never thought of that, but now it's a spin-off. Oh, man, I just thought. Small mind, that's, that's, that's an awful statement, man. Space plumber. <laughs> but I mean, wasn't the solution for everything in Galactica vented at the airlock? Yeah, airlock at all. Yeah, that, that's right. There's the whole planet. space to get rid of it, so that is not a problem. Yeah, false planet side working. eventually gives you meaning to the bag of flaming dog poop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm getting the big. Ah, we need to wrap. All right. So Ed, do you want to take us out, Michael? Do you want to say uh, goodbye to Calgary? So say, so say we all. So say we all. So say we all. So say we all. So we all. So say we all. Michael Hogan. Hello, Michael Hogan. Michael Hogan. Thank you, Michael. the J.J. Abrams film. Yes. Did, Did you it? like it? I, I thought it was really quite entertaining. Yeah, I, really I enjoyed it. It was amazing. But, it, but it, it doesn't seem to me to respond to the same type of direction that Next Generation did. Is Why can't there be more Abrams-type films and more Generation films? Oh, I think, I think Paramount, in their infinite, slow-to-learn wisdom, realized that they in the spirit of greed, had gone to the well too many times after Next Generation, which was a wonderful success, then Voyager, then Deep Throat Nine, Deep Space Nine, <laughs> then, uh, then Enterprise, and then Nemesis. So the, uh, they went to the well too often, and then wisely took the time off. J.J. was a huge fan of the show. The powers to be changed hands at Paramount. And he made, a, he made a clean sweep, with the exception, obviously, of, of Leonard. Nobody from Star Trek was involved in that movie. And uh, I, th I think he was very loyal to the, the spirit and the prime directive. And 
some of the performances I thought were amazing, particularly um, Carl Urban, who I thought channeled DeForest Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, of course, not that I'm bitter. They did have 180 million bucks to make that movie. Which, you know, we did four or five movies for less than that, so it's, it's sort of a different animal. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole different approach. Okay, we've got a question from Nathan on the right side, up top. Hi, John. Hi, Nathan. Okay, so in the movie Nemesis, after that storyline, your character, Commander or Captain Riker, goes on to become captain of the USS Titan. Now, a book series was made after that. It follows the character of you and Deanna Troy and a few others. I was wondering if you have read those books, and if so, how you feel about where they've taken your character. I have not read the books, but I do have an idea based on the Titan half-hour sitcom. <laughs> the Rikers in space with their wacky Uncle Data and their little dog Worf. What do you think? As long as there's hijinks involved, I think I'm on board. Just something Marina and I have been working on. Okay, we've got a question from Ted on the floor. I actually have uh, two comments. Uh, I saw the uh, episode of Bar Karma that you directed, and I just wanted to let you know that um, it'll tell Jeannie that I thought she did a fantastic job juggling those characters. She was amazing in that. Yeah. And the second comment was, uh, the one thing I really love about your directing is how much your, not only your personality, but also your sense of humor really comes through. That's very generous. Thank you very much. Sure. Let's have him back. <laughs> okay, we've got Yannick in the left bowl. In the left goal? Bowl. Bowl. B bowl. In the left bowl. Um, <clears throat> the um, rumor goes that you fell in love with your wife during the casting of North and South. It sounds too good to be true. Would you comment? I fell in love with my wife doing the shooting of North and South when we were on location in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and Natchez, Mississippi. And for those who dig deeper, you'll find that I actually worked with her on a television series, short-lived, called Bare Essence. But she, at that time, was jailbait and much too young. <laughs> Somehow, four or five years later, and because I didn't know that she was so famous for being Laura from Luke and Laura at General Hospital, I was uh, smitten. <laughs> 25 years we've been together. Well, and just, just as a note to that, I know it just, it's, it's Father's Day, and I don't know if a lot of people know, but uh, Jonathan actually turned down work and chose to take time when he first became a father. So, happy Father's Day to you as well, sir. Thank you very much. Are you a father as well? Are you a father? Happy Father's Day. Thank you very much. This is my gift, getting to be here talking yeah. to you. Here we're, we're both working on Father's Day. Gypsies. I got my daughter passes. I got texts for my kids. <laughs> We've got Aurora on the floor near the back. You've got Aurora on the floor on her back? <laughs> hey, we're going to have to take that white hat back if you don't watch it. 
Aurora. Borealis. The space joke. It was a good one, too. Oh, look who's working again. Ninja, to the rescue. The ninja to the rescue. What was your favorite thing about working in Star Trek? My favorite thing about working in Star Trek was going to work every day. I had the privilege of being in a company of actors who were so well, obviously talented, but silly, hardworking, generous. It was, uh, I don't know, it was a blessing that we've all been very grateful for. But it was, you know, I got up in the morning, I thought, I'm going to have a ball today. And there are not a lot of days and not a lot of jobs with which you connect that feeling every day. And I did, and I think most of us did. So it was, uh, we caught lightning in a bottle and had a blast. And we're very sorry to see it come to an end with a lot of tears during uh, All Good Things. Even though we were going on to the, to the movies, it was still, it was very sad because we, we had a blast. We worked 10 months of the year that we have a couple months off and we knew the first Monday of the 4th of July we'd all be back in our spacesuits on the bridge and Dorn and Patrick would be mud wrestling and <laughs> Brent would be doing Vegas act on the bridge. And it was really, it was, a, uh, it was a blessing. Yeah, I think it really seemed actually that you must have been enjoying our work. <laughs> Can we have a question from Devin on the floor? Where are you, Devin? Hey, John. So, uh, with that sitcom you want to do, uh, is it going to be on Fox, ABC, or NBC? <laughs> Whoever will have us, we're in. Oh, it's going to be Fox then. <laughs> was that a shot? Did you take a shot at Fox? I was just thinking you should go to HBO, they got more money. Yeah. And no commercials. <laughs> We've got a question from Larry in the front row. Close to the front row, I think. There he is. What's, what's your next project? I'm in the middle of three episodes of Leverage. Have you heard of Leverage up here? And, uh, and oddly enough, we're doing a Leverage episode called The Office Job, in which we're knocking off The Office. Do you watch The Office? So all the uh, acting will be into the camera. There'll be those confessionals outside of the, and we're stolen the room, the costumes, the whole thing. So it's gonna be uh, offbeat. Leverage, and I have a show on tonight called The Glades. I've got a burn notice coming up next week. I'm going back to NCIS LA, Castle, a few more leverages. My life is good. Yeah, you, you've really become someone that's the go-to guy in terms of directing on a, on a series of shows. I think of even like The, the Good Guys is another, was another fascinating That one. was a blast. I wish that show had stayed on the air. Just, that was incredibly strong. Bradley Whitford, rock star. I, I just wonder, as someone who now teaches as well, you've been, you, taught at Rockwell College and that, what would, you know, you read everything, didn't you? Yeah, I read it. After all your success, uh, if you were to run into yourself, what would you tell a young Jonathan Franks who's just starting out about the things that you've learned with all your success and experience? I tell young actors, if that's sort of where you're going with this, to try to find another job if they can. <laughs> I really do. I mean, it's, it's, I was blessed, my wife was blessed, but there's a 95% unemployment rate for actors. The business is incredibly unjust, whereas in some businesses, 
even on the other side of the camera in, in uh, television and movies, if you do a good job, you get rewarded and you get promoted and you get another job. In acting, unlike anything else except maybe, I don't know what else, there's no justification for um, who makes it and who doesn't. Some of it's luck, some of it's talent, some of it's looks, some of it's timing. But unless there's nothing else you can do, I would say, find another job, find another career. Don't pursue it, it'll break your heart. It's a uh, brutal and uh, unjust bedmate. <laughs>
refined. He was a diplomat. He was. Yeah. He wasn't the guy who would go in swinging fists. That's what Jonathan Frakes was there the for. The only thing he was swinging around was the Prime Directive. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> but no then one, in the movies... No one swung it like uh, Janeway, though. She was oh, like, yeah, absolutely she was rigid on it to the point where I was like, I can't watch this show because it's so preachy and except, irritating except about of course something for that's those, not real. Except, of course, <laughs> for those times when she broke it. Uh, yeah, like cause she all was, the time. She like, was incredibly inconsistent because the writers couldn't make up their mind on what the hell was up with Janeway. So literally there would be back-to-back episodes where she'd be like, no, we cannot breach the Prime Directive and this civilization will burn because of it and that's okay. (laughs) And the next episode she's like, screw it, we're breaking the Prime Directive because we can't allow this one person to die. And it's just like, okay, crazy lady, whatever. Also, she sounded like a career smoker most of the time. She had... Wasn't she Columbo's wife? Bipolar. (laughs) I think so. Was she Mallow? Really? I think she was married to Columbo. Uh, Pierre Falk just died. Like Peter Falk, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. My uh, my girlfriend loves uh, loved Voyager up until it, she though. found out that uh, not only is uh, Kate Mulgrew a a staunch pro lifer, but she is like the president of a pro life league in the United States. Oh yeah, States. and that actually ruined that, the series for her. that <laughs> was the deal breaker for Rachel. Well, this just continues to prove what I've been saying for years, that Star Trek Deep Space Nine was the best Did, of the Star Trek. Yeah, I, I only like Generations. It's the only one I could get into. Hmm. I Voyager like... is by far the worst. Oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah. Miles. I, I would go as far as to say perhaps no, even Enterprise, worse than Enterprise. Enterprise was good. Oh. Anyone, Voyager, anyone? <laughs> Voyager had some good <laughs> episodes here and there. It had some good characters. I did like the Doctor. I hated I thought, the characters. I, I thought hated, he was I hated a good Neelix. character. Like oh, the doctor was, was just data. He was, or, he was basically. He, he was, was data done team. better though. Yeah, I mean, well, he had more. He had better growth. It was easier to explain his growth. I guess I don't know. He could. He could. You. Well, he had scenes where he could act. And whereas Robert whereas, Picardo uh, happens Brent to also Spiner be a always fantastic. Trying to find actor. excuses for for him to act. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. The uh, yeah Voyager was probably the worst. I mean Enterprise was. I would say a failure, but it was an <laughs> ambitious failure. <laughs> you know what I liked about Voyager. It ended. <laughs> was, yeah. It was great when it was over. How many seasons I remember, was it? Do you remember, it? like, it we like were like five or too, six? Too many. We were we were so, so excited psyched. for we skipped Voyager. karate. Yeah, we were like <laughs> to watch. We were all, we were all <laughs> so, so we like, I almost cried when that first episode ended. I was so <laughs> sad. <laughs> so wait a minute. Have you seen the? Uh, apparently, um, the the concept for Voyager, the original pitch, the the first person who was working on the script was the guy who ended up doing Battlestar Galactica. Peter Peter Moore? Yes. And his original plan for Voyager was very much what the first couple seasons of Battlestar was. Just this... You mean awesome. This beat-up ship (laughs) in the middle of hostile territory that just can't catch a break, and everybody's sleep-deprived and angry and falling apart at the seams. They've got dwindling resources. He was like, yeah, it would have been awesome, except that they... By like the third episode, we're like, are we sure we can destroy another shuttlecraft? Because <laughs> apparently they just have an infinite supply. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. God that's, forbid, that's why Deep Space Nine was so good because Ronald D. Moore had, and he was actually integral in uh, in the in Next Generation as well. But yeah. he had he had kind of like a vision, and you can see a lot of the same themes from Deep Space Nine that leaked into Battlestar Galactica, like the the religious parts of it, the like the the space politics and all that kind of stuff. Is I that what they're called? This the space politics? I don't know. That's what <laughs> I, like that. I think that's wicked. <laughs> just coined that <laughs> space politics. But, I mean, like I'm Spo- Wikipedia Spo- that. Uh, Deep Space Nine was all about uh, you know 
space Bajor politics. And yeah, like, and the Cardassians and everything. Yeah. yeah. And it it was to its uh, benefit that it had a cohesive plot, too. I mean, it was it's, one of those early sci-fi shows that, that was like, you know what, screw episodic. We're going to yeah. tell a story. Yeah. And it benefited from it. It and didn't it, do that until much later. No, though. yeah. It was kind of lame at first, I thought. <laughs> yes. It the, was, first, those, the first, first season was episodic. Seasons, the second season, they started to tie everything together. Yeah. And by the third season, they'd really started to kind of pick up steam into the, into an overarching narrative. But the 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 thing is, and, and this was very smart of them, they didn't just like try to pretend the first season didn't happen. Mm-hmm. They went, no, okay, let's pick out what worked and let's draw that into the narrative. Yeah. So that in retrospect, it's almost like they were laying groundwork for what was to come later, even though that's hindsight. It was not planned that way. It just kind of worked out that way. And it it did work. Yeah. It was a fantastic series. Yeah. It was the best Star Trek series. Now, you said something about karate. You yes. skipped karate to go see Voyager. To watch it. To yes. watch it. And okay. To watch it, like, In a group. Place, yeah. No, it was at Chris's place. place. Was it? Yeah. So in this second part of our Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo expose (laughs) see what i did there uh you're gonna hear uh a couple of different interviews the first is an interview with a young man who developed something called a z kit which is a first aid kit for the zombie apocalypse and right after that you're gonna catch uh william shatner being white hatted by the mayor of calgary and uh and then sharing a bit of a story of uh of what he witnessed in vancouver during the riot so here we go, Z-Kits and William Shatner at the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo. So this is Adam coming to you almost live from the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo, and I'm standing here with a gentleman who's selling zombie survival first aid kits, and your name is? Frank Fowler. Frank, uh, what are you guys doing here this weekend at the Expo? We are selling zombie survival first aid kits. And what can I find in a zombie survival first aid kit? I would say everything you can see here, but uh, I'll have to explain it to you. We have all sorts of industry-grade first aid, sterile gauze, bandages, uh, basically everything you would find in an industrial first aid kit in a nice uh, metal case. And uh, it's basically a standard first aid kit that comes with a survival guide, which is probably the most important thing because it outlines how to survive the zombie apocalypse. And uh, do you have any tips, aside from, you know, outstanding first aid, how to prevent uh, being attacked by a zombie in the event of an apocalypse? I would buy a zombie first aid kit, um, a Z kit, because uh, first of all, it allows you to uh, bandage yourself up to keep away from the undead, and if all uh, else fails, you can use it to bludgeon them to death. Right on. Okay, so uh, can you tell us just a little bit about some of the stuff that goes into your basic first aid kit? Um, in terms of the supplies, like I would said, it's just uh, sterile bandages, uh, basically cotton-based gauze, uh, tape, bandages, and, and basically your basic first aid supplies, again, doesn't prevent the zombie first aid kit, or sorry, doesn't prevent the uh, zombie apocalypse, but it will keep you ticking. Cool. We hope that you survive the no doubt uh, inevitable zombie apocalypse and enjoy the rest of the weekend at the Calgary Expo. <laughs> Cheers, you too.
Hello, Mr. Mayor. Hello, Dr. Shatner. Yes, it is doctor, isn't it? <laughs> we have, we've got a special presentation for you today. What? We have a special presentation. I don't for think you. I could put up with another special presentation, Mr. Mayor. It's even more exciting than the one that you got at McGill. Oh, good. Because you know, sir, William Shatner, you are many things. I am. A thespian. I am. A performer. I am. A musician. I am. An author. I am. A doctor. I am. But you are not yet a Calgarian. I am. And we can fix that for you today. Really? How quickly? Right about now. We've got a little something we like to do here in Calgary, and that is present people with a made in Calgary Smith-built cowboy hat to make them an honorary Calgarian. Wow. Now, I got a couple of, a couple of hints for you here. Hint. One, you're going to you have to always, make it very plain to me. You always store a cowboy hat like this, no. never like this. Oh my God, I didn't. For two know that. reasons. One is it loses its shape. Yes. But two is it looks uh, empty. That, that'll mean the, the hat and me. Exactly. Right. It may look empty, but it isn't. It isn't we have what? filled it with all the best wishes of everyone here and good memories of Calgary. Oh Turn it upside my down, they're going to fall out. Look at that. Now, yes. the second thing is people always get this one wrong. Right. It's not a baseball cap. You have to wear it low on your head. Yeah. Two finger widths above your eyebrow. Uh-huh. Okay. And then you will look like a true Calgarian. Okay. But we got to do something first. So hold that in your free hand. Don't put it on yet. No, I'm not going to put it on. We have a very formal oath that we make people do. And, and I know this is a fun event, and we shouldn't make you do something so formal, but, you know, tradition dictates. So, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Repeat after me. Okay. I. I. Dr. William Shatner. Dr. William Shatner. <laughs> Having experienced Calgary. Having experienced Calgary. The heart of the New West. The heart of the New West. And having been. And having been. Duly exposed to. It's coming. <laughs> it's a strange city, I heard. Uh, uh, duly exposed to. Exceptional amounts of. Exceptional amounts of. Heartwarming. Heartwarming. Handshaking. Handshaking. Backslapping. Backslapping. Foot stomping. Butt stopping? Foot stomping. Oh, foot stopping. He got ahead of himself. Butt slapping. Butt slapping. Tongue loosening. When will this end? Soon. <laughs> Tongue loosening. Tongue loosening. Neighbor loving. Neighbor loving. But not too much. We but know your reputation. Not, not, not too much. You know your reputation. Western spirit. Western spirit. Do solemnly promise. Do solemnly promise. To spread this here brand of Western hospitality. That's too many words. To spread this here. To spread this year, brand of Western hospitality, brand of Western hospitality to all folks, to all folks and critters, and critters who cross my trail who cross my trail hereafter. On the count of three, Calgarians, we have to induct him in. On three, a good old-fashioned Calgary Yahoo. One, two, three, Yahoo! Thank you. Very Thank much, you. Mayor Thank Nenshi. you, Mr. Mayor. I think that uh, we Where should give the people voice what they want to see. So, Teddy, AJ, can you, uh, can you take this party over? Can we leave it we in sure your capable hands? Right, we'll head over here. Thanks yeah. very right. much. Teddy Wilson and AJ Fry, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for your Mr. awesome Mr. Dr. William Shatner.
Um, unaccustomed as I am, what are you guys doing? <laughs> We're going to uh, take questions from the crowd. They're going to Skype us with who's where, if that's okay. Well, uh, maybe I, I, I could open up and By just talk to them for a few minutes. Riff away. Why don't you put your microphones down and just... Why, why are we so far away from each other? I want to be with you. This is what we live for. See, that, that, that means nothing to you, but everything to me. Because on Wednesday night, I was there where the flames should have been. I was at the seventh game, the last game of the Stanley Cup. I was there when Canada didn't do it, okay? Terrible. And, the, and on the screen was what we live for. I guess they regret putting it up after the game, but that's... And Canada was alive and cooking on the first period, and then it just didn't work out. Then I left the, the arena, and I thought those thousand, hundred thousand people there for me. I walked among them, and I heard explosions, and I saw gas. I thought it's all for me. I tell you, it was a Canadian riot. Just awful. Policemen standing there saying, Excuse me, sir, you're burning a car. Would you mind moving along? <laughs> it was a Canadian riot. It was unbelievable how polite everybody was. I, 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 you'd see some of these kids taunting the police. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get back now. Get back. If you were in L.A., if you were in Los Angeles, don't ask. A few tasers, a few rubber bullets, a couple of live shots. It was, it, was, uh, it was awful. And then the next day, I, I'm working in Vancouver on a show, and the next day at 6 o'clock in the morning when I had to get in a car and report for work, there were other citizens, the ma vast majority, on the streets cleaning it up. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It, 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 it was so... To my mind, it was so Canadian. I, I don't know. We do things in a peculiar way. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction? You need to seek out The Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at guru digitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878. Earlier this month, Adam and I attended another Story Slam. Now, May Story Slam actually appeared in our last episode because we were a little bit late getting that content out, but we have a fresh one from June right here for you to enjoy right now. So we have two writers 
Uh, the first one is the first guy who was up that night, Liam. He told a delightful children's story, but uh, he was not the winner. If you like to see your story, there's a lamp behind Feel free to use it. It's there. Hi, how's it going? Um, I mostly write children's stories, and this is one of them. Um, and it's one of my favorite books is Raymond Chandler's *The Big Sleep*. Ostrich McGuark is the worst detective in the world. His name is Ostrich McGuark, and he is the worst detective in the whole world. McGuark doesn't like being the worst detective in the world. He doesn't even like being an ostrich. But with a last name like McGuark, his career options are pretty limited. One of the reasons he is such a bad detective is because he is an ostrich. <laughs> Ostriches can't un speak or understand any human words. <laughs> this makes interrogating a suspect particularly difficult. Also, because he is an ostrich, most people assume he isn't smart. All those people are correct. <laughs> An ostrich is a large, flightless bird capable of running at great speed across the savannah, but not capable of logic, reasoning, or complex mathematical equations. <laughs> All the qualities necessary for any self-respecting detective. Luckily for McGuark, most is not all, and so he gets just enough business to spot. The end. Now, on to the winner that night. It's a guy who's kind of a mainstay at the Edmonton Story Slam. He's certainly been there almost every single time that we've been there, even though we haven't been going all that long. The winner of the June Story Slam was Jason Norman. And here's Jason's story. Okay, here's the story about women. It's called The Center of the Universe. After lunch, Miss Gale told us to push our desks to the edge of the classroom. We are going to learn about the universe, she said. We are going to learn about the solar system. Miss Gale then asked who wanted to be a planet. Who wants to be Saturn, she said. Who wants to be Jupiter? I did not raise my hand when Miss Gale asked about the planets. I wanted to be the sun, or at least the moon. Mostly the sun, because the sun was so bright and so hot. The very best part about being the sun was that Miss Gale chose Emily to be the Earth. Emily stood in the center of the room, and it was my job to orbit her. Look, Emily, I said. I'm orbiting you and keeping you warm and giving you energy. I'm heating the 70% of you that is covered with water. I could see her smiling about half the time. Look, Emily. I'm charging your solar power calculator and helping you relieve your dependence on foreign oil. <laughs> I can see her smile less than half the time now because sometimes Ethan, the moon, was in the way. And then the other planets came and got in the way. 
The other Ethan even got to be Pluto because Miss Gale wasn't able to explain why Pluto wasn't a planet anymore. <laughs> we kept orbiting and orbiting Emily until Miss Gale said, Stop! She told Emily and me to switch places. This is the way things are now, Miss Gale said. We all revolve around you. Everybody? Even you, Miss Gale? Even me. Then everybody started orbiting again. Even the other Ethan, who was not even a real planet. <laughs> so far away, he started orbiting. I began to feel very warm, like the actual sun. And I saved most of my warmth for Emily when the moon wasn't in the way. Are you gonna do anything else with the, this website? Are you gonna Are you gonna blog about your experiences drawing comics or? Yeah, I think so. I think I I don't know. Like Jeremy's probably gonna do some uh, some posts and stuff like that, and we'll probably you know get involved when we when we go to shows and stuff like that, and and uh, you know take some pictures and talk about yeah, the shows when we, that ever we go, go to, to some and stuff like that. So cool concerts yeah. where all the hipsters are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then people will know your inspiration. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> really what this is is sort of like an elaborate attempt to get in with the hipster crowd because you know that you're never actually in the hipster crowd. Okay. Because you can never admit you're a hipster. That's right. right. So That's... so there are, to me, there are obviously the varying degrees of hipster. Yes. Um, uh, I like to make fun of hipsters, but my cousin's boyfriend out in Vancouver pointed out that I am one. I don't believe that I am. I don't understand what a hipster is. <laughs> is basically very, what he know, was they're, building. They're up very to. fluid, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I think that's part of the reason why it's it, this comic um, ended up getting maybe getting named uh, "Inglorious Hipsters" is just because at this point, uh, hipsterism is sort of mainstream. I mean, you never before had um, stores that were specifically to designed to cater to the hipster fashion like totally. urban outfits. No, you had to find H&M it like tight jeans or whatever, right. I mean, you know, now they sell that, them to you. It used to be that you go you had to go to Valley Village to find your hipster clothes, but or get know, a good tailor. Go so what Valley you're Village. saying is that hipsters perhaps in a, an ironical fashion have sold out. <laughs> yeah, well, they're definitely a demographic now, and that's the big thing. And uh, maybe they didn't sell out, but uh, there's definitely someone in a corporate I, I think suit what, I who think saw it and said, I, I can sell to this. The, yeah. the, the fashion got popular. Yeah, and well, that's what, that's what hipsterism really comes down to is, like, being cool without saying you're cool. And, and <laughs> but then there's... <laughs> I love this conversation. <laughs> there's, there's also this, this idea that... Uh, um, you know the 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 hipster joke is that I you know I was into whomever before they got big and that sort of thing. Like, so where does the attitude come from? Like I, the the pious attitude. I guess so because I mean even like back in back in my high school days when we were all like skaters and skids, um, you know it was about it was it was still about like mutual respect. Even everyone said it was about mutual respect, but you still hated everybody else and thought you were cooler than they yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. I think part of what um, you know hipsterism or whatever is all about is it, like I mean I think the initial idea of um, being a hipster in, in, in when how it relates to music is that um, you would go out and search for music that 
wasn't the mainstream. And I think, you know, you would do that in sort of an attempt to branch out and, 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 and sort of like in, uh, broaden your music horizons, right? So I did it as, as a means to one-up other people who didn't have extensive musical knowledge. Yeah, and that's what I think hipsters <laughs> are I think doing. that's what it evolves to yeah. because I think eventually, <laughs> eventually it gets to the point where people um, start thinking that the music that they went out and searched for is actually better than any mainstream music. The and then, then that's where the attitude comes from because eventually they feel that it is actually better and I am a better person for it. Yeah, <laughs> and then once it starts getting popular and everyone likes it, yeah, they don't they want it. it. Yeah, they don't want to be a part of that anymore. They don't want to be a part of this, lumped in with these other yeah. people they don't view as cool. I remember when Nickelback was not a very popular band. I went. I think the one and only time that I saw Nickelback was when. Oh, they before they broke it big. Yeah. I would. I still maintain they're not that popular, even though they are. <laughs> like, so there's hipster me, you know, with my stupid attitude about uh, Nickelback, or sorry, my totally fair and unbiased attitude about Nickelback, who yeah. suck. It's, you know, Nickel Nickelback is really radio friendly. So, I and mean, I think I defy anyone to sort of like. Everyone's caught themselves tapping their toes well, to it. How you remind me? Song. I think it was in <laughs> like you could not not like that song. I think that was yeah. It was like the theme for every Transformers movie or something. I don't know. If, uh, if you go on YouTube, you can find a compilation where somebody has played several Nickelback songs at oh, the they same play time, them over top of each yes. other, yeah, and yeah. Uh, they sound the same. Yeah, like to the point where it sounds like you'd be one song. It's like watching a Zack Snyder movie, three Zack Snyder movies at the same time. They all begin <laughs> the same way. It's ridiculous. I disagree with that. <laughs> I was actually the reason I thought of this, and I knew I knew that would provoke you, <laughs> is because I watched uh, Watchmen the other day. Yeah. Which I'm still not really sure how I feel about that film. I don't think I feel great about it. Um, and then I watched Dawn of the Dead, and they basically start the exact same way. They start with some action. Mm-hmm. Something significant uh, to move the plot very directly forward, and then they cut in with music. Uh, usually, uh, you know, old older music. Say, uh, for example, Johnny Cash. Yes, yeah. Or um, Bob Dylan. Right. And then there's a montage. Uh, and I guess that's that's a lot of movies, though. I, I will, uh, <laughs> however, point out Zack Snyder. <laughs> That uh, Watchmen is based on the graphic novel, and the graphic novel actually starts that way. Yes. So. Fair enough, but he did the f- same fucking thing in Dawn of the Dead. Like, I'm sitting there watching Dawn of the Dead and being like, what? I love Dawn of the Dead, by the way. So the do remake I. is amazing. So do I. Yeah, and the I, remake was pretty good. Yeah, and I guess at this point, I, c- I can't say definitively, but I believe Watchmen is just a guilty pleasure of mine. I don't... I, uh, I had actually never read the, the graphic novel, so... Yeah, I, like... I, th- I saw the Watchmen. I thought it was fantastic. I really? Mean, yeah, I really liked it. And I think, you I mean, maybe I've not having the history of, of reading something that, that's, you know, I mean, that's for um, comic the, readers. That's a, I've a, heard a that from a couple comic, people right? that, um, for the most part, a lot of people who had read the graphic novel beforehand, maybe their expectation was high. Maybe it was, they went in with the preconceived notion that it was just uh, unfilmable. That it was, it's it's so married to the medium that it was originally designed for that you just could not adapt it, and that's why that was what prevented it from being adapted for so long. And I think that that's why most of the people who'd read it before were like, "What a shitty movie! It was awful." And on the other hand, most of the people who I've heard have seen it but never read the comic beforehand were like, "That was actually really good. I quite enjoyed it." So I think that's where the disconnect is. Yeah, I read I read the graphic novel right before I saw the film. Like I'd never read it before. 
I did that with Lord of the Rings. I started reading Lord of the Rings before the movies. You came made out. a noise. That was another thing that, that they too. called unadaptable. Was that bad? Was that a bad thing to do? I didn't. Read. I thought so. Why is that? It just. Uh, I don't know. It's just like you couldn't enjoy the movie then. You're just like, oh, they didn't yeah, do this. Seeing they all the things that. that change, but like, where's Tom Bombadil and well, all yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff, right? Uh, yes, but because I, we don't need that tangential story. <laughs> but I couldn't finish those books because they were so boring. They I they just are halfway through. They are really two boring. Towers and that was it. They're so detailed. Why yeah, is, he just like it's a chapter describing grass script on his. Yeah, it's, hey, I actually well, feel I, that I love that's the what made the movie so great is that the the immense amount of detail. I mean, it's just like it's totally basically like if you're gonna make a movie out of it, it's almost like have paint by numbers. It's just like yeah. you know, really easy to. Peter Jackson just had to make the monsters sufficiently scary, and he's really good at that. So yeah, and yeah. now they're doing the Hobbit. So there you go. Yeah. Well, the first screenshots for that are out on the internets and look quite amazing. Yeah, actually, it lo- looks like Lord of the Rings. Well, yeah, <laughs> more or less as amazing as Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I'm excited that Martin Freeman is playing uh, Bilbo. That's because he's a fine actor. He is an excellent actor. I actually just uh, rewatched uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I actually like that movie. Yeah, I can, I remember really liking it um, when uh, when it came out. Yeah. Uh, and then and at that time I had never seen I had never read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He Douglas Adams did he was pretty smart about Hitchhikers because every every medium it came out on it was different intentionally intentionally mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. It, the uh, books well the movie is based on the miniseries. The miniseries was based on the books, and the books, books are, based on the, are based on the radio play, and they are all deliberately different, but have the same touchstone, Elements, touch points. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so you've got like the same characters and the same kind of plot points happen, but how it gets from A to B is different, and yeah. And I guess it that's worked. what that's what film adaptations are, right? Yeah, to an extent, yeah. But in this case, I mean, he uh, Douglas Adams did it a little bit differently, I think. But uh, back to my original point, because I think we're being hipsters about Watchmen. Is it possible to be hipster about something, or like, is it is it a whole? Is it like I, I really do want to explore this because when when I was accused of being one, I I took offense, and I'm not really sure why. I was just like, "Fuck, no, I'm not a hipster." Wait I think a minute, that's what most that's the rule do. of being a yeah. hipster is to deny I, it. It doesn't it probably <laughs> the minute you go, hipster. "I'm a hipster," it's like, "Okay, you're not a hipster." <laughs> <laughs> you just told me by saying you are, you're not. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that about being not about not. That's being like a hipster. the worst thing you can say to a hipster is calling them a hipster. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just it becomes it's become <laughs> that be smirching vinyl a dirty word. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. <laughs> Greg, aren't you something of a hipster? Oh, yeah. You have a beard. Uh, but I just said it, so. No, oh, I just said it. <laughs> this is. Uh, We're not true hipsters, I guess. I don't know. Like, what about me do you think makes me a hipster? I don't know. It's just a feeling I get. It's just the, the clothes I wear. <laughs> I, I, I think that's pretentious to you. <laughs> I think that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he does. This he pretentious does. air to He him. looks and acts pretentious. <laughs> yes. That's, that's how <laughs> like I Like, just... I know more than you, and I'm cooler than you. <laughs> well, and... that's actually true. <laughs> Probably. So I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think I, I feel like most of the people that we know are hipsters. So. Yeah, I agree with that in some form or another. Yeah, I mean, they, they sort of fall into sort of that category. But you'll see like a hardcore hipster like walk down you uh, drive down White Ave. You'll see. Yeah. <laughs> the real. Yeah, the ones that are the hipster. ones that are like you know I'm 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 wearing I like a. a a flock of seagulls haircut. I'm waiting for that when the hipsters start wearing the, the yeah, yeah. The mullet. They're yeah, they're like doing in, like the like the mullet more ease they look. The they, more hipster they are. They've fully embraced every aspect of hipster. Irony is the big thing for hipsters. Yeah. Irony is huge. There is. Um, I'm a a fan of internet comedy. 
I uh, hit many websites in the course of my week, and uh, one of them is Cracked.com, very funny website, which I just gave a free plug. You should check it out. They should um, sponsor us. <laughs> Dan O'Brien, one of their editors, uh, recently did two, actually, articles. One about movies, which we discussed... <laughs> Uh, before our summer blockbuster show. Yes, yes. And one, uh, a follow-up on that about reality, where he actually makes a very strong argument for how he can no longer tell if people are being ironic. Because he can't wrap his head around enjoying something ironically, so he doesn't understand the purpose of a movie that was made to be ironic. Hmm. No, it's not ironic. It's just a shitty movie, is his <laughs> argument. And now, now he's at the point where he can't even tell if reality is joking anymore. Like with the <laughs> Donald Trump presidential uh, thing and the Sarah Palin presidential thing. Like he's like, no, that are they serious? Because they can't possibly be serious. But that, I, I can't tell anymore if they're serious. That's or not. a totally fair comment, though. And so yeah, I just the the concept of liking something in an ironic fashion. No, it's shitty. You're. You're liking something shitty, and you're yeah. and you just don't want to admit that you like it, despite the fact that it's shitty. Like wearing so you a say, Rihanna t-shirt. So you say you know, that you like, like it in an ironic fashion. No, yeah. you just like it, and you like something that's shitty, and you're trying to cover your ass. Wear your shame, yeah. sir. I or like Madam. The Running Man. I think it's a great movie. That's... It is objectively a shitty movie, but it is awesome. <laughs> I don't like it ironically. It is a guilty pleasure. There yeah. you go. Yeah. I felt that way about A-Team. Like, I haven't I seen loved that. A-Team, but great? like, yeah, I mean, like, you can see why maybe it didn't get the best reviews or whatever. Ooh, you're, you're kind of skirting the issue a little bit. Wear your shame, Greg. No, sorry. <laughs> I guess, uh, like, like I wear my Casio gold watch. It's kind of <laughs> ironic. Like, it's a $20 watch, but it's... <laughs> as long... That's, like, the point, though. Like, I'm, I guess I'm trying to be ironic with it. I think the only way that that, that launches you into hipsterdom is if you can actually do mathematics on it. I like, can't, no. So it's not... <laughs> it's, it's, it's a Zeller's $20 watch. Damn, I don't think it damn. can do anything. Close. So close. For a year, I couldn't get it off the army time. I didn't know how to do that. <laughs> oh, it's digital. <laughs> it is. Oh, shit. That's impressive. <laughs> what time is it? Oh, Fuck, it's army time. time. I don't know what that is. Mine is set by 12. 23? (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) I think I'm in the future. (laughs) I don't know what's happening right now. Someone help me out. So we're we're coming up on the end of the show, which means, of course, that it's time for Adam's favorite part of the show. Yes. And that is the Fast 16, as we have two guests. We actually got in trouble for not having a Fast 15 on the last episode. Yes, yes. Someone on Twitter was upset with us. Uh, Aaron Despus. Yes. And uh, so we apologize, but we didn't really have a studio guest. We only do the Fast 15 with studio guests. That's right. So, But we have two today. And that's why we're doing 16. So this is the Fast, fast 16 with Greg Beaver and Jeremy Dye. Now, Greg, the last time you were on our show for the Oscar episode, do you remember if we started with you or if we started with Ashley? No, I'm pretty sure you started with Ashley. Okay, so we're going to start with you this time. And uh, uh, so the way that this works, Jeremy, because you've never been on the show before, is I will ask each, uh, you and Greg, alternating questions up to 16. Um, The first 12 are standard questions we ask of all of our guests, and they're not hard. So don't look so worried. No math. No math, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you must answer a skill testing question. And then the last four are wildcard questions, tailored specifically to you. In this case, uh, around comics in general. 
Sort of. So here we go, the Fast 16 with Greg Beaver and Jeremy Die Number one, Greg, your favorite food? Uh, pizza. Everyone says pizza. No, it's not my favorite food. Okay, we'll, we'll do you later. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Die, your favorite color? Uh, blue. Greg, Mac, PC, or Linux? Oh, Mac, obviously. Jeremy, dogs or cats? Cats. Greg, coffee or tea? Coffee. Jeremy, your favorite holiday? Uh, Halloween? Is that a holiday? Yep. Yes, counts. it is. Totally All right. Counts. Greg, your favorite sport? Hockey. Jeremy, your favorite pastime? Uh, TV. Yes, TV is a pastime. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> Greg, your favorite music right now? We've established that it is Rihanna, but you can pick something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm listening to a lot of uh, Said the Whale right now. Excellent. Jeremy, your favorite movie right now? Uh, Fight Club. I was just thinking about that on the way here. That's amazing. Hmm. Serendipity. Yes. I've. That's not a great movie. <laughs> that one maybe is you guys sweet. should get married. Yep. You can get married in New York. Now. Yeah, we probably and maybe we will. Maybe Jeremy and I are going That's there right, right after the show. <laughs> <laughs> Give each other hand jobs. <laughs> I don't know what else we and do in New York. Apparently he's uh, pretty good at them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, oh dear. Uh, now, Jeremy, or sorry, Greg, your favorite video game. Oh, shit. Um... Oh, Super Mario World, I think. And that's that's, that's a good one. Time, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I think so. If we're going to go all time. Sure, we'll go all video time. Games, yeah. Not Contra? I love Contra. <laughs> we did play that a lot. <laughs> nah, I think it's still Super Mario All right, fine. Fair enough. Super Mario World. And, and now you're the final of the non-wildcard questions for Jeremy. If you could have one superpower, what <coughs> would it be? My one superpower would be flying. Sweet. I think I said invisibility. So you can I'm look into sure, like, last time we were change rooms. I, yeah, probably. That's isn't that the where every guy's mind goes? I think like I go invisible. I'm going to go into the girls' locker room. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well, now that we've established that, uh, on to the wild card questions. Greg, the DC Comics reboot, yay or nay? Um. Yeah, I don't really. I don't I read a lot of comic books, so I might not be particularly qualified to answer the question but i think it's a poor business decision on their part so. really yeah hmm. fair enough now now then to you jeremy should should marvel reboot as well they did did they i'm cutting him off with the answer that's what the <laughs> ultimates universe was. oh i didn't know that yeah. they're rebooting everything or is that well i suppose hypothetically if they rebooted everything sure yeah dc decided that they were they were going to restart every single line that they have why not? Sure. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> do I mean, it. they do Just it with film it. all the time, <laughs> yeah. right? And now, Greg, should Reboot reboot? Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> with all the same characters? I think so, yeah. yeah. Aren't they coming out with some new movies? I'm not sure. Actually, the, the, the creator was at Calgary Comic Expo, but he was always swarmed by strange fans. So oh, there you go. Yeah. Kind of interesting. And finally, over to you, Jeremy. What image do you picture in your head when you hear the word Reboot. Uh, a computer? Is that pretty lame? <laughs> That's pretty lame. <laughs> yeah, I, I was hoping for something hilariously insightful. <laughs> it didn't didn't quite uh, didn't quite work out that way. No, no, I let you down. I guess. Okay, well, that, that's the Fast Sixteen with uh, Greg and Jeremy. Thanks, guys, for being on the show. Yeah, telling well, us about you. your comics. It was great yes. to have you. Thanks for having. So, Inglorious Hipsters launches July fourth, yep. and we can find you where on the internet. Uh, I am at. At Greg Beaver on Twitter. So okay. You can come uh, chat with me on there. I also have a blog at IHateHumans.ca. <laughs> you do hate humans. Yes. It's hard to get him into this room. 
I live in St. Albert. If you want to visit me out there, there's <laughs> like a true hipster. He's not on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter or Facebook. I think there's a lot of Twitter <laughs> I hipsters got, on Twitter, but don't, they'd never admit it. I yeah, got too true. cool for Facebook, so I deleted my account. Wow. So, <laughs> I'm glad I know you. I don't even have a cell phone right now. <laughs> and in, and the website for Glorious Hipsters is inglorioushipsters.com. Hipsters. There we go. Okay, so check it out July 4th. Thanks again for being on the show. Oh, also, right. sorry. One um, more thing. You can also. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, you can also uh, follow Inglorious Hipsters at Inglorious Hip on Twitter. On Twitter. There, there you go. go. Right on. Tweet Another us. show at the end of a season. Thank you guys so much for closing us out. Thank you for, for having us. Two. Yeah, it was great to have you. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 52. Our guests, Greg Beaver and Jeremy Dye. Pre production by Adam Rosenhart. Post production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. Visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. We'll talk about it in the show, but Shatner is uh, hes a weird dude. He's a weird dude, but I think he's pretty smart. Yeah. I think he's a pretty smart guy. So, yeah, he's, um, had a, he's had a pretty long career. So well, you ought to be. Yeah. He's 80. Yeah. He's 80 yeah. fucking years old. <laughs> and he's still working. And he looks frequently. good. He's got like he, he four projects on the go. And he must have a tremendous plastic surgeon. <laughs> I re- I'm not kidding. There's no way he looks that good normally. He might. Normally being... You know, he might age. just be a very handsome man. Well, <laughs> there's no questioning that. <laughs> he is undoubtedly very. He handsome. is, after all, Captain Kirk. That's true. Do you see that photo of him and uh, Chris Pine arm wrestling? No. Yeah. <laughs> that's wow, pretty that's, awesome. I'm gonna paint a fresco on my ceiling of that. I guess it's <laughs> it's for a documentary that he that Shatner's doing himself called the called Captains. Yeah. Where he like talks to like all the the Star Trek captains and stuff like that. Yeah. Neat. He t- he told a funny story about how. Uh, how um, when he interviewed Avery Brooks, uh, the guy from DS9, 
Brooks was playing the piano the whole time and would only sing his answers. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like something Avery Brooks would do. <laughs> so these people are all fucking nuts. Which is uh, I don't think that they're fucking nuts. I think that they're delightfully eccentric. Ah. The <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm sure that Scott Bakula is very eccentric. Yeah. He seems like that. Like, I watch, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff or whatever. And he's always, like, every time, every, like, he must be annoying to work with because every, every single scene, he's always trying to, like, make a joke and, like, like create a blooper out of it or whatever, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah, that would be irritating. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. The finer of the Stewarts and that whole clan. 